0: Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The Vatican is instituting a plan to destroy the morality of the faith. They'd never, under any circumstances, admit this, of course. They'd never admit that that was their goal. But they are moving in that direction. What makes this painfully obvious is the ongoing synod of synodality, which looms over everything right now. That combined with the elevation of the very worst men in the hierarchy into the College of Cardinals. Men like Cardinal McElroy of San Diego, whom I expect to see replace Cardinal Blaise supich when Cardinal supich gets the inevitable promotion to some high office in Rome. Don't think that's coming. That's coming, folks. There is a series of seemingly unrelated news stories that have come out that paint us an interesting picture when we put them together. The need for resistance against modernist Rome is now higher than ever before, with a clear program for destroying the faith being put into place. I know there are people who will deny that that's the case, that I'm kind of a loon for saying that, but that's what they're doing. Early in the summer of 2022, Francis issued a new reform document for the Roman Curia, which permits laity to run various dicasteries of very real influence in the church for the first time in history. This is happening, while the bishops are now meeting behind closed doors to go over that new governing document. And during all of this, Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò issues a clarion call for the better bishops and cardinals of the church to emulate Archbishop Lefebvre in order to preserve the faith against the Bergolian onslaught. I know that Viganò has been very busy this week. I'm not going to quote him more than a little bit here but he's been very busy, and his words are important. We live in interesting times, folks, and I suggest you keep praying for the liberation and exaltation of the church. Francis has created more cardinals than canon law allows, as I told you yesterday. And now they're meeting behind closed doors, with some asking if they're being deployed for some unpleasant purpose to undermine the Catholic faith. It's an important story, so let's start there. Frank Walker of Canon 212 ran this tag for this story, He's got a way with words. He really does. Will the world's cardinals emerge from media blacked-out Francis meeting, ready to destroy dioceses and parishes even more? Mr. Walker has a gift with words that I don't have, and he asks a rather basic question. With that, will the new batch of cardinals be used to further undermine the faith? It's a fair question at this point. His question frames the following story from the Vatican News .va website, which is the BBC of the Vatican. Think of. Vatican News as the Vatican state run media like NPR in the United States. From them, headline World's Cardinals Meet with Pope to Reflect on Curia Reform. Two days of meetings of the world's Cardinals with Pope Francis are underway in the Vatican to focus on Pedicate Evangelium, offering a chance for Cardinals to get to know each other better and wrapping up with a Mass on Tuesday with the newly created Cardinals. You know, over at Vatican News, they're about as wordy as Francis is with one of his dreadful encyclicals. Have you ever read one of those things? They're like three times the length of Preconciliary encyclicals on average. But the closed-door meetings that people have been speculating about going on right now is for the cardinals to get to know Francis' new motu proprio on the reform of the Roman Curia, which has wide-ranging implications for the church. Let's go over some of that now. Quote, during the Angelus of last 29th of May, the same one when he announced the names of the new Cardinals, Pope Francis gave news he would convene the College of Cardinals for two days to explain the contents and changes of the Apostolic Constitution, promulgated on the 19th of March, which came almost as a surprise given the near decade-long work involved. On Monday the 29th and Tuesday the 30th of August, a meeting will be held of all the cardinals to reflect on the new apostolic constitution, predicate evangelium, and on Saturday, the twenty seventh of August, I, meaning Francis, will hold a consistory for the creation of new cardinals. The document in question went into effect on the fifth of June, the Solemnity of Pentecost. The text and feature the text features and formalizes many of the reforms already implemented by the Pope in recent years. Studied and formulated by the Council of Cardinals that the Pope instituted at the start of his pontificate. The Constitution also introduces various changes, beginning with the merging and renaming of several dicasteries. Above all, however, Prodede Cate Evangelium, as the name itself suggests, gives a more missionary structure to the Curia, so that it is increasingly at the service of the local churches and evangelization efforts. End quote. So, a reform of the Roman Curia on paper to put it at the service of the local churches for the purpose of evangelization. Hate to be the one to tell you this, but usually when Francis' church speaks of things being at the service of the local churches, the inverse is true. Greater control by Rome over the local churches. See Traditionis Custodis, for example, which states, unfortunately, that the bishops are to control the Latin Mass, but in practice, Rome is now ordering bishops to end the offerings of the Latin Masses in their dioceses. I've reported on that numerous times here at Return to Tradition. It will be pretty much the same thing here. This will be accomplished, of course, by building a bridge of dialogue and fraternity between the Roman Curia and the local dioceses. And, you know, building a bridge, I think, is a good metaphor for all of this. Quoting the article some more. One of the main characteristics of the Apostolic Constitution is its missionary dimension, a key to the reform and global direction for the Church for our times. Although specifying the changes in the structure of dicasteries and offices, Predecata Evangelium quote-unquote broadens, in effect, the boundaries of the Curia by creating a direct link with the Episcopal Conferences and the various dioceses of the five continents. With the Constitution, there is now a space for listening and dialogue between the various churches and the Curia. Newly appointed Cardinal Leonardo Steiner, Archbishop of Manaus, which is located in Brazil's Amazon region, explained to Vatican News when interviewed at the Holy See press office on Saturday, just before the consistory started. Here he continues, Now you no longer come to Rome to say what we have done, now you come to learn but also the curia knows how to learn in a different way. There is a better sense of who is at the service of the Holy Father, at the service of the bishops, and this is a hope to be a more fraternal church where we listen, where we experience and appreciate cultural diversity, Steiner said, end quote. Yeah, there's a lot of worrisome stuff in that quote there. You should always worry, though, when Dialogue directly with Rome is made easier under this alleged pontificate, especially when they're talking about enculturation. There, like they are, it never results in good things happening. It just never does. Just ask any religious order who had an apostolic visitation from Rome since Francis's arrival on the throne of Peter and found themselves suppressed. After about and ask them how much dialogue with Rome and how that tends to go. Ask them how that all went for them. This dialogue has been used to destroy Catholic morality in the past, which is a running theme of our talk today. Here we see curial reform framed in the language of, well, you guessed it, synodality, a synodal church, a listening and dialoguing and group-hugging church. Note well that all the synodal reports, or virtually all of them, call for changing the morality of the Catholic faith to better align itself with the values of the secular world because the church is apparently, so we're told, by both the adversaries of the church outside the church and our own prelates, we're told that the church is out of date with the world. Keep that in mind whenever you hear the word synodality or synodal used to justify something. Our times call for resistance to all of this. Not from the laity only, though, but from the bishops and cardinals of the church, even if that means resistance only comes from a handful of good bishops. Their resistance must become more pronounced. That should be painfully obvious in our time, but for many of them, they still waffle. Their resistance should include ordaining more men without Rome's permission, the creation of traditional priestly fraternities, despite whatever Rome might have to say about it. And yes, hate to be the one to say this, but it also should include consecrating more bishops without Rome's approval. Archbishop Vigano makes this point pretty clear in a recent interview for Life site News about Archbishop Lefebvre being the example for us in our time. This is who he wants the bishops and the cardinals to emulate. That'll be a controversial point for many people. egano has been very busy lately with writing and interviews and all the rest, and he provides here some advice for the bishops to consider as they try to figure out what to do during this long period of darkness in the church from his recent interview where he's asked about Archbishop Lefebvre and the actions he took in 1988. Archbishop Vigano says, quote, I can only look at Archbishop Lefebvre with admiration and much gratitude for his fidelity and courage, a courage and a fidelity that are unfailing in the face of so much adversity, hostility, and even relentlessness on the part of a hierarchy won over to the ideas of modernity and infiltrated by the stonecutter supporters of a project of capillary destruction without precedent the devastating scope of which we realize today in its extreme consequences archbishop lefebvre must be seen as a holy man not as a schismatic as a fervent missionary and confessor of the faith a zealous defender of tradition the priesthood and the catholic mass he exposed himself to severe sanctions up to and including excommunication because he felt that it was more right to obey god than men to guard and transmit tradition rather than embrace modernist doctrines. Some consider the 1988 consecrations as a quote-unquote step too far. Others recognize a vital necessity for the safeguarding of the mass of all time. Archbishop Lefebvre grasped the urgency of the times in which we live, the drama of a situation that has worsened and taken on new accents of gravity in recent years, making more evident the state of exception in which we find ourselves. Some speak of disobedience. We speak of fidelity. Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre continued to teach and do what the Holy Church has always done and taught. He opposed liberalism, the destruction of the Mass, and of the whole liturgical edifice of the Church, the ruin of the priesthood, of religious life, and of Christian morals. I repeat, some speak of disobedience. We speak of fidelity. End quote. And the rest of the bishops who are in any way opposed to things we see in our times should follow suit. That's my opinion, anyway, hopefully in a coordinated way with one another. Let Francis accuse them of schism as he tightens his grip. The church has always said Episcopal consecrations during a time of emergency in the church are permitted. If the church has ever been in such a state, in a state of emergency, it's now, and it has been that way for decades. Vigano isn't holding back when he says these things, and it leaves me wondering what you think about his call for bishops to emulate Archbishop Lefebvre. I have a famous speech of Lefebvre's for this Saturday. I do two or three times a year bring one of his addresses, and this will be, I think, the second time in 2022 that I've done it, where he lays out the cause for resisting Vatican orders more than 40 years ago, when things seemed better for many in the church. But the crisis in the church was already very real at that time, at least if you have eyes to see it. But I'm curious what you think of this College of Cardinals story and Beaconos' call to the bishops to stand and resist. So let me know in the comments, please, what you think about all this. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. Share this on social media if you can. That helps a lot as well. YouTube actually really likes it when you do that. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.